0: KUAF is supported by its contributing listeners and by the Arkansas Podcast Collaborative presenting Arcast podcast festival September 20th and 21st where guests can hear from Arkansas podcasters as well as national experts including the School of Podcasting and PRX producers of shows like this American life snap judgment and reveal more at Arkansas
1: this is Ozarks at Large for Friday, August 11th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellums. With me on the phone to start our show is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. Welcome back to the program, Michael.
2: Thank you. Thank you. That was, I'm in a good mood. The temperature is 20 degrees lower than it was this time last week. Might as well be 100 degrees lower, but yeah, All right. I love it.
1: Excellent. Excellent. You know who else is in a very good mood, and that is Sebastian County officials and city officials in Sebastian County, because a ten-year sales tax has been overwhelmingly renewed.
2: Yes, it has, and and overwhelmingly is a great word for it. I, I I would like to think that I have a, after watching for thirty something years, have a good handle on the pulse of the voters. But I, if you would have told me that the tax was going to be renewed, it's a ten-year renewal. Uh, it's a one percent countywide sales tax in Sebastian County. You would have told me that it was gonna be renewed by seventy five percent margin, um, seventy five point three percent in fact. I would have I would have deemed you being very, very optimistic, but that's what it did. Now granted it was uh, you know, it's um and I think um, I could be wrong, but I think this is the last election in Arkansas uh-huh. in, that can that doesn't have to be tied to uh a general uh, primary yeah. or a general election. So, so there, I mean, you know, you had, um, I guess a little over 3000 votes, 32, 3,300 votes out of 60,000 plus registered voters. So it was a low voter turnout. I get that, but still 70 in a conservative, a very politically conservative part of the state, uh, 75% showed up to vote to keep their, keep this tax on the books. And I, I think that um, this is a function of a couple of things. One, uh, like I said, special election, you, you know, um, low, voter, low, low voter turnout can create kind of a um, surprise in the numbers. Two, there, and there was no organized opposition. That was the other thing. Um, no one raising the hell about it. And two, I think, you know, this has been in place for 20 years now. I, I think people – Get it? They see that it because uh, it's it's a not just a tax that goes off to support whatever it puts fire trucks in fire buildings. It puts parks in small, smaller cities in the in the county that couldn't afford them. You know, it supports a police car. It's physical things that people can see and they benefit from you have a tax that has such a direct impact on folks they want to keep around and i think that's i think that's what we saw and then and there was very little spending to support it they raised there's a group citizens for continued progress raised uh, 17,500 uh spent most of that on flyers and yard signs and that was it i mean it wasn't a big overwhelming get out the vote campaign so you know kudos to City and county officials, they get another 10 years to continue to do the right thing with the money, which, by the way, generated um, about $34 million last year for the county and for cities within it.
1: And we should point out that, uh, a similar uh, measure on Tuesday was extended in Alma.
2: Yes, yep. So, and again, in a politically conservative yeah. area, they folks, if they see that it has a direct impact on their world around them, they're going to keep it on the books.
1: All right, I'm going to play good news, bad news with you now. Good news, 182 leaks in the second quarter of the year repaired water leaks in Fort Smith. Bad news, that still leaves 426, which is more than the amount of known leaks at the end of 2022.
2: And so this is what happens. We've talked about this before, but this is what happens when you let several decades, and I don't mean two or three, I mean more than that, Go by without raising enough money, either through sales tax or through water rates and sewer rates, to have an ongoing maintenance uh, schedule. And that's what Fort Smith didn't do for many years because the local politicians didn't want to raise water rates or sewer rates. They didn't want to get in trouble with folks. They didn't want to, you know, often I, I find it interesting. People say we need to run government like a business. And then when they show up, say, "Well, we need to raise your water rates." We're like, no, well, I'm not <laughs> not quite that much, like a business. right. So, uh, but so that's where we are, and we, the city of Fort Smith, just has a very old water and sewer system that, you know, we're under a federal consent decree to fix. We've already spent several hundred million to do that. There'll be several hundred million more spent, and this is uh, just a function of trying to fix all those and. There'll be some more issues down the road. We haven't reported on it, but we will um, with some federal regulations on lead and copper and pipes. So that's going to create issues, not just for Fort Smith, but for many municipalities around the country, not just the state. That's another issue. But, yes, um, the city is struggling to keep up the water leaks. Um, just for some more background the city had 2575 reported water leaks last year and that was 779 more than were reported in 2021 so there now a part of that to be fair it's not it is an old system but also the city has been to the city's credit the city's been more proactive in saying hey Let us know if you see a water leak. You know we need to start getting out and fixing them. So I, you know, it's one of those things when you, you know, you start asking for more of X uh, Mm -hmm. from the public, you're going to start getting more of X. So, um, so that's what we're seeing. But um, it's a struggle to keep up with it. Uh, It's a big issue. We're spending a lot of money. City has a contract with Forsgren. Um, It was a multi-million dollar contract, and there's still some of that left. Uh, of course been a contracting company because the city just didn't have enough people uh, on board to, to address them all so they had to find a third party uh, and that continues to be an issue for the city I think they um, talked about in our story talked about the vacancies they have uh, and the training you know not only do they have vacancies uh, in the city maintenance department but once they get them on boards and they have to be trained while they're in training they can't be out working on leaks so um, it's a struggle But uh, you know, I'd like to say there's some light at the end of the tunnel, but um, I I, I don't see it yet. But they're they're on it. To the city's credit, they're on it.
1: There's going to be a little bit more of a spotlight on the Fort Smith Board of Directors meetings because they're going to be live streamed and shown on cable television live.
2: Yeah, and you know, to be again, to be fair to the city, I've been one that's been on there tail in recent years when because they have struggled to be transparent in many things. Um, and some of those things have gone to courts, even the Arkansas Supreme Court. But to the city's credit, they've invested in a system uh, to not only live stream the, the board meetings and other meetings in a in a better manner, but it's it's interactive, so to speak, because you can pull up as as a citizen Uh, or anyone interested in what's going on in Fort Smith, you can pull up their agenda, the documents related to what the agenda item they're on, and you can follow along. Um, I've been following the city for 20-something years. Even when you have a history of following them and understanding the process, it can still be difficult. And so I can't imagine what it's like for somebody just coming new Mm -hmm. to to a city board meeting to try to understand it. So kudos to the city for putting this in place. I have yet to see it go live, but just the description of how it will work and how citizens can use it to keep track of what's going on. Uh, I, it's, a, uh, it's a good investment. I know there was some debate early on years ago about should we spend this kind of money, but I think it's money well spent. Um, anytime you can make the government process more transparent to citizens, and that's what they're doing with this system.
1: And finally, the U.S. Marshals Museum opened on July 1st. And the headcount of visitors during the first month of operation, right around 10,000 folks. Yep.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just under 10,000. The quote we got from Ben Johnson was that i um, uh, said, we're very happy with the almost 10,000 who showed up in July. And um, that 10,000 corresponds with um, the number. It's a little lower than their study number. They, you know, their initial study, which was years ago before the pandemic, um, had them looking at around one hundred and twenty five thousand um, visitors a year. so that that's on target now. Um I think it'll be interesting the summer months um, at the end of the summer months, and as uh, kids come back to school, you know, uh, they talked about having a lot of school groups through there. So it'll be interesting to see how those numbers um, change or go up. but a good start for the museum after a long wait to get it open. so Uh, If you've not been, um, I think you'll enjoy it. I was pleasantly surprised by um, all of the information. Um, It's one of those, unless you've got just all day to go through it, it's going to be one of those visits. It may take you a couple times to to get all of the info because there's a lot of data, a lot of info, a lot of artifacts to look at.
3: All right,
1: you can learn much more about everything we've talked about and much more at talkbusiness.net. Michael, continue to enjoy the temperatures in, I don't know, the lower 90s. Before you know it, it's going to be autumn.
2: <laughs> well, I'm all for that. My favorite time of the year.
1: All right. Michael Tilly, thank you so much. You're welcome, sir. Hey, this is Rafe Box,
3: owner of Holy Ample Recording Co. and the creator of the Amble Sessions. The first ever Amble Fest is just around the corner, happening August 18th and 19th at Cash Studios. It brings 10 local musicians to Bentonville for a free two-day all-ages fest featuring the Flims, Ashton Barbary, TV Preacher, Jess Harp, and more artists featured on the Anvil Sessions. My web series of live performances recorded at Holy Anvil Recording Co. and available to view on YouTube, NPR.org, and KUAF.com. For more info about Anvil Fest and the Anvil Sessions, head over to KUAF.com slash Anvil Sessions.
1: Ahead on today's show, a really big toy chest in downtown Rogers.
3: So I don't know the exact age, but like, they were popular from 1850 all the way to 1920. So I think ours is about 1870, 1880.
1: The toy is called Frozen Charlotte, a real toy from more than 100 years ago. It's included in the new exhibit about toys at the Rogers Historical Museum. We'll learn more later this hour on Ozarks at Large.
3: The fantasy writer George R.R. R. Martin suffered an epic case of writer's block while trying to finish Game of Thrones.
1: We're not talking about being stuck for a day or a week or a month. We're talking about a matter of many years. And he's expressed great puzzlement because he was so productive for so long. Why
3: we fall into ruts and how to break free, this week on Hidden Brain from NPR.
1: Hidden Brain twice this weekend on 91.3 KUAF tomorrow afternoon at 3, then Sunday morning at 6. This is Ozarks at Large. Happy Friday. I'm Kyle Kellams. The Department of Veterans Affairs is extending the deadline for veterans and survivors to apply for packed benefits. The deadline is now midnight Monday night. April Eilers, Public Affairs Officer at Veterans Health System of the Ozarks in Fayetteville, says veterans meeting the deadline can be eligible for backdated benefits.
4: So if they apply on August 14th, By 11.59 p.m., they will get back pay for the benefits they've earned and deserve. If they apply on the 15th, they still will get care and they still will get coverage. They just won't get back pay. So we really want as many veterans as possible to get the back pay that they've earned and deserve. But if they can't, if they can't, um, for some reason, if they can't get to it or if they can't apply, they still can apply after that deadline. They just won't get retroactive pay.
1: Isler says applications in recent days that received an error message because of high volume on the system webpage are being counted.
4: We have them logged, and we have the login intent-to-file saved, so you are, um, you are okay. You made the deadline. We have your information. Um, your intent-to-file is on record.
1: Applications can be made through the website va.gov PACT or by calling 1-800-MY-VA-411. The Tulsa-based Maybe Foundation is creating an endowed scholarship for qualifying students at the University of the Ozarks in Clarksville. The $1.5 million gift will help students from six states, including Oklahoma and Arkansas, who maintain a 3.0 grade point average. The foundation began supporting the school in the 1950s when it provided funds for the Maybe Gymnasium. A press release from the University of the Ozarks says the scholarships will be worth at least $10,000 annually and could be awarded to as many as seven students. Plans for a multi-lane roundabout are progressing in South Eureka Springs. The city passed a resolution in 2021 to share costs with the Arkansas Department of Transportation to improve traffic flow at the intersection of U.S. 62 and Highway 23 which currently features a single stop sign. The roundabout would also feature an overpass or underground pedestrian walkway pending approval. Daniel Siskowski from the Arkansas Department of Transportation says planning is more than halfway complete.
5: And then we will start
2: moving towards acquiring right-of-way and starting to move utilities. Right now, we're looking at probably mid-2024 when it goes to construction, but that is subject to... Any other type of restrictions, such as utilities took longer to move than we anticipated, or something else may come up.
1: A public meeting was hosted and a survey conducted by RDOT. The results show a majority of participants support the roundabout. Resident Pat Masoukas is among those who opposes it.
6: I don't know
7: what the right answer is because I don't even know what all the options are. And if I don't know what all the options are, how does anybody else?
1: Some survey respondents say they prefer a traffic light or more stop signs. Others say a multiple-lane roundabout will complicate traffic during school hours. Eureka Springs Mayor Butch Berry says in an email statement he supports the roundabout and rejects installation of traffic lights at the busy intersection, which he says would only cause more congestion. Fayetteville Public Schools will induct three new members to its Hall of Honor this year. Yesterday, Fayetteville Public Education Foundation announced Mary Frances Kretschmeyer, a former teacher and coach at Fayetteville High School, as well as Dr. Daniel Storey and Chatty Compy platt graduates of Fayetteville High School, will be inducted into the hall on Thursday, September 21st. Chatty Compy platt by the way, was KUAF's membership director from 1997 to 2005. And congratulations to another person with deep KUAF ties. Steve Wilkes, who has hosted a pair of jazz shows on KUAF in the past, will be inducted into the Arkansas Drummers Hall of Fame tomorrow night at Georgia's Majestic Lounge on Dixon Street in Fayetteville. And the Arkansas Razorback soccer team concludes its exhibition schedule tomorrow night in Fayetteville. The Razorbacks will host Southern Illinois University-Evansville for a 6 p.m. match tomorrow. The regular season then begins Thursday the 17th with a home game against Arkansas State. I am inside the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. Guess who's with me inside that studio? Becca Martin-Brown, Arts and Entertainment Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Well,
8: thank goodness we're inside. We have air conditioning.
1: Yes, we do. Yes, we do.
8: And it's still hot outside, even with the temperature below 137. But you have to agree that after several days of triple digits, 85 felt pretty good. Yeah. So our theory today is either off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. Or, man, do we have a wide range of stuff that happens
1: here. Those don't have to be mutually exclusive.
8: So here they are. If you need something to do Saturday night, the 12th, Mm -hmm. there's a show at the King Opera House in Van Buren, which is a super cool facility. Mm -hmm. It's part of their King Opera House season that they're doing this year. And it's called The Cowboy Ain't Dead Yet. This is a one-person show. This is a one-person show. Here's the cool part of the premise. This guy grew up almost in that time period. I mean, as close to that time period as you can get, and still be and witnessed. still be here. He picked cotton. He hauled hay for a penny a bale. Then he started making music, and ended up on a stage in a huge country music festival in England. And then he was something. His name's R.J. Vandygriff. He has a cattle ranch. He has grandkids. And he does about 30 shows a year. He says the premise of the show is that cowboys didn't just disappear Mm -hmm. at the end of the Wild West. And so he takes you through time periods of cowboys. Right. And he plays the harmonica and the guitar and the banjo and tells stories. And it's something completely different. Right. Okay. 7 o'clock Saturday night, King Opera House, tickets start at $30. Next in the King Opera House series is Walkin' the Line, which is a tribute to Johnny Cash and Patsy Cline. Very good. And that happens September 22nd. You can do that Saturday night, and then on Sunday, you can go to the bakery district in Fort Smith and go to an improv comedy class. There's a group called Naturally (laughs) Improvable. I like that name. And they have decided that... They need more comedy in the River Valley. And so they are going to teach people how to do it. And then they're going to start having a regular Sunday night show. So you can go to these comedy improv classes. They're from 6 to 8 on this Sunday and then 6 to 8 on the 27th. Okay. This Sunday, appropriately enough, is how to start a scene. Uh And the 27th is how to end a scene. Even harder. It's $15 for one workshop or $20 for both. So you can register on the Troop's Facebook page. They're called Naturally Improbable, and check there for their future shows. Excellent. They are planning to start September 10th with a Sunday night live show at Whippoorwill's on Garrison in Fort Smith. Okay. I'm not sure people know that there's a Museum of Native American History in Bentonville. Eh, they should. They should know. They should, but I keep running into people who don't, and they just got another big, new collection from their founder, who is still intimately involved in the museum. And this is centered on 17th and 18th century trade between Native Americans and colonists. So they have wampum. Mm. What is wampum? Wampum is tiny little shell beads that you paid for things with. There's a peace pipe, a pipe tomahawk, a stone pipe, a crown, and five Dutch trade bottles. And they all have to do with the trading centers and the trade, you know, the original Amazon.com. Well,
1: when trade meant you trade
8: it. Yeah. Not Yeah. But that's not the only thing they have. They've been collecting for a couple of decades, and it is an amazing collection of native artifacts, not just from North America— but from Central and South America, and it's free. They're open from 11 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday at 202 Southwest O Street in Bentonville. It's free. Check it out at Mona, Museum of Native American History, dot org. And then if you follow theater in Northwest Arkansas, you know Natasha Devon. Mm-hmm. Well, she was one of the Artist 360 grant recipients, which comes from the Mid-America Art Alliance, You get a little bit of a stipend so you can work on an arts project. And you
1: apply for it. So they say, we like your idea. Here is some financial encouragement to make it go further.
8: And so she got some for a one-person show that she wanted to do that's called Ain't I a Woman? Mm -hmm. And she talks about – she talked to me about growing up in a single-parent home in poverty. She's a first-generation college student on both sides of her family. She wanted to do something more practical and – says she started doing poetry and acting because God said, hey, do this. this." And so now she teaches because she wants to give back and because there's so much importance in seeing a black teacher Mm -hmm. teaching multiracial students. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be a fascinating chance. She came up here to go to the UA for grad school for an MFA in acting. It's at 7 o'clock tonight and 2 o'clock tomorrow on the stage at Global Campus Theater Mm -hmm. in Fayetteville. Tickets are $15 to $25 at Eventbrite. Check our Friday weekend page for the calendars for what's happening this weekend. And that's online. And that's online at nwaonline.com. And check What's Up on Sunday for interview with Boy George.
1: All right. Did you do that? No, I didn't. Monica Hooper did. All right. And, and What's Up is
8: either physical or online. Yes. You can actually, you can get it in a printed copy in front of our office on East Avenue. You can get it on the replica edition online. So it looks like a magazine Mm -hmm. and you can get it just online at nwaonline.com, free floating.
1: Becca Martin-Brown, arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette.
0: It's the Community Spotlight Week in Review here on Ozarks at Large. I'm Pete Hartman. This week we heard again from Lowell Taylor He's creator and co-host of the KUAF-produced podcast, The R Word. Beginning in December of last year, The R Word is a podcast about reparations and how the faith community factors in. I spoke with Lowell this week as a six-week-long book discussion is about to begin in September. I asked Lowell if it is difficult
5: to find people, specifically locals, to talk about this subject. Um, and then I've been really blessed, really fortunate to find uh, some people to interview, some, some national really thought leaders and experts um, on various subjects uh, from racial justice generally um, to reparations more specifically. You've got a series of events coming up. This is beginning September 7th, the R Word Community Reading and Discussion Series. We quickly learned that people want to, some people want to continue that conversation in community with other people, not just their iPhone or laptop or whatever, Uh, we thought, gosh, wouldn't it be great if people had time to read the book, Reparations, A Christian Call for Repentance and Repair by Greg and and Duquan, and then they had time and a place to discuss the book with other people. So that's really the spirit of uh, this, this book reading and discussion. Uh, making, making space over the course of six weeks, Thursdays in September and then the first two Thursdays in October at the squire Jehagan Center okay. uh, in South Fayetteville uh, for people to come and uh, discuss what they're learning and how they're growing and hopefully be encouraged um, by the presence of other people, again, here in our backyard mm-hmm. uh, who want to have this conversation. So you could maybe start the book a week before... And kind of go through it as the series went. Given, you know, the, the difficulty of this topic and, and sort of the density of it, uh, we did want to give people the opportunity to uh, take smaller bites, chew, uh, swallow, and, and to do that over the course of six weeks also as an opportunity to, to get to know people, right, and, and to spend uh, more extended time uh, with maybe some new friends. Lowell Taylor with the podcast The R Word. You can
0: find out more on the book discussion series as well as listen to the podcast at KUAF.com. Christina Williams with Circles NWA stopped by the Nancy Blair Operation Studio this week. Circles is a poverty reduction initiative began in 2020. They're about to launch their third cohort in September
8: and the unique thing about circles is that we flip the traditional mentorship model on its head and really center the leadership of those who have experienced poverty we call them our circle leaders for our allies often they haven't experienced poverty and so we make sure they're trained to be successful as an ally But we really do look to the leadership of our circle leaders. They're the ones that know what it's like, how to navigate this, and um, we believe they're the ones that are closest to the solutions as well.
0: Carmen Gonzalez is a circle leader graduate from their first program. She says having those allies beside her helped her gain what she calls social capital.
3: So one of my goals when
8: I joined as a circle leader was to buy a home. I was able to achieve that goal with the help of my allies. As a first-time home buyer, as you know, in this community, it can be hard. And they had those lived experiences where they bought a home and they were able to just give me guidance and experience. And that's all that an ally really does is they are a volunteer ally that walks along a circle leader on their experiences and guides them and just builds those friendships and really that community that social capital
0: circles nwa is looking for a fresh batch of local allies to help others like carmen applications are due by september 6th and an information session is planned for next wednesday via zoom for more information circles the eureka spring school of the arts will host a closing reception and sale this saturday Celebrating their 2023 ceramic artists in residence. It gave me the opportunity to visit with Kelly McDonough, executive director of ESSA.
7: This year is the 25th anniversary of the Eureka Springs School of the Arts, as a matter of fact. And we are a school for a nonprofit, School for Art and Craft. Uh, and we provide around 100 workshops a year in all sorts of different uh, mediums. There's blacksmithing, woodworking, pottery, painting, drawing. A lot of times I like to call it sort of like art camp for grown-ups. You can come for one day or up to five days and spend some time being creative and making some amazing things. Uh,
0: Again, this closing reception celebrating Lisa Cruz and Stephanie Christensen. These are two artists in residence, and I guess uh, they're wrapping up their time there. Uh, don't want to give too much away, of course, but uh, what do you know about these two artists?
7: Well, both Lisa and Stephanie are accomplished ceramics artists. Uh, Lisa is from Paragold, Arkansas, and Stephanie is from Hinesville. And they have been living here on the Eureka Springs School of the Arts campus for about the past month. And they have full 24-hour access to our ceramics pottery studio and they've been creating a body of work, which then they're going to show and offer for sale this Saturday during the closing reception, which will be here on our campus uh, starting at 4 p.m. There'll be an artist talk at 4.30, and it'll wrap up then at 6.
0: Those artist residencies, that's something else that y'all regularly offer, correct? Now, will you be looking for uh, more participants to take part?
7: Yes, absolutely. We love to have artists in residence on our campus. And it can be uh, ranging from just a couple of weeks to a couple of months. Uh, sometimes we'll just have one artist in residence at a time in a studio, sometimes multiple. And so we have had uh, residencies offered in small metals, which is uh, jewelry making, metal smithing. We have another uh, one of those coming up in September, where we will have a, uh, a jewelry maker, a metalsmith, staying here on campus for a few weeks in September and creating a body of work, and we'll have another uh, public reception for that. Next year, we're planning more residencies uh, to be offered in our ceramic studio, in our woodworking studio, and lots more to come on that.
0: Kelly McDonough with Eureka Springs School of the Arts. For more, ESSA-art.org. You'll hear more voices from your community next week during the Community Spotlight segments. These are heard weekday mornings during NPR's Morning Edition right here on Ozarks at Large. Or catch up on past episodes at our website, kuaf.com. I'm Pete Hartman. If you know of a group helping out your community, let me know. You can drop me an email. That's pete at kuaf.com. And remember, your voice matters.
1: This is Ozarks at Large. Guess who's
9: with me now? I bet you'll never guess. <laughs> the Anthony and Susan Hoy News. Story. It's Ryan Versi, our Underwriting Director. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. It's been a while since I've been in the, uh, I like to call it the Santa Claus seat. <laughs> that's right, that's <laughs> right.
1: Because and, and you're going to live up to that because you're going to be giving some stuff away.
9: I have gifts for one, two, three, four, five, six lucky people today. Alright, uh, what are we going to give away first? So, the Walmart Amp. Concert. We're not giving away the amp. We're, We're not giving, giving away it. the amp, unfortunately. Because, <laughs> I mean, if we had the opportunity to give away the amp, I'd probably keep it for myself. Yeah, you could it's do a, a lot cool there. Spot, yeah. yeah um However, I can get you into a couple concerts there. There you go. And if you are unaware of how to win these giveaways, go to KUAF.com. There is a button that says giveaways. You can click that. All so right. Or enter a giveaway. There's, there's a couple different ways to get to it. So keep checking that page often because I usually have a ton of things to give away. Now, Beck and Phoenix is coming to the Amp. Um, I'll say this is the 18th. Uh, so I have three winners who are going to get tickets for that show, um, and people are excited about the show. Guess so congratulations are. to Tara Hollums. All right. I believe I met Tara actually at an event that we had because I met her husband at another event that was completely unrelated. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Melissa Valenzuela. All My right. apologies if I said that wrong. But you are the winner. All right. Um, And then, last but not least, Wiley Holt. They're going to go see Back in Phoenix. Correct. That'll be a heck of a show. And I'm going to email everyone who's who's a winner. Um, So you'll get the tickets digitally. Uh, You will just need to watch your email and click on the link that I send you. Uh, Take your phone and have the link ready to show at the gate. And you're good to go. All right. Now, Monday. Monday. We've got Boy George and Culture Club.
1: I'm going to guess... The height of Boy George and Culture Club's fame was before you were listening to music. Likely.
9: Okay. Because I was born in 89. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Suspicion confirmed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, So um, congratulations to CJ Mattingly. All right. Christopher Robinson. I think that's my partner. Uh Uh-huh. Well, congrats, bro. (laughs) And Adam Cowart, or Cowart, I'm not sure how to say that. Okay. C-O-W-A-R-T. Either way, those three people will be receiving an email. Karma, 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 chameleita. There you go. You know, yeah, I know you a little know. song. All right, you come and go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. I, I know a few songs here all and right. there. We're going to give away more stuff as we, as absolutely we are. Turns we absolutely into fall. We are. We do have a couple other giveaways that will be listed on the website currently, and a couple more that are coming up. So mm-hmm. uh, stay tuned on that. Ryan Versi, thank you so much, and thank you, Kyle. Thank you all for listening and competing.
1: This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, August 11th, 2023. Thank you so much for being with us. If you ever miss an edition of Ozarks at Large, you can catch up by going to OzarksAtLarge.com. You can ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large to hear the most recent daily edition of our show. And you can always take us with you. We are available as a free podcast. You can download or subscribe through KUAF.com or through any major podcast distributor. If you are a sucker for childhood nostalgia, the Rogers Historical Museum has a new exhibit for you. Their latest exhibit is called Toys Well Played. And Ozarks at Large's Jack Travis
10: gives us the tour. Last month, Barbie mania hit America hard. Throughout the summer, thousands of fans anxiously awaited Greta Gerwig's newest flick. Meanwhile, Rogers Historical Museum collections manager Jennifer Swift was dusting off her own toy chest. The museum opened its newest exhibit, Toys Well Played, on July 22nd. It will remain open until January. The exhibit is housed in the Special Collections Gallery. Toys Well Played looks like a child's playroom. Dozens of toys sit behind glass barriers, staring back at museum visitors. Their manufacturing dates range between the 1890s and the early aughts. The playthings vary in age, size, shape, and rarity, yet they all share one common characteristic. Their original owners were children from the Northwest Arkansas area who donated their old toys to the museum. Swift says the museum rarely has to request items because the community donates so many they find in their homes or antique stores. Occasionally, the Rogers Museum will receive items on loan from other museums for larger exhibits, but Toys Well Played is entirely made up of toys that call Rogers Historical Museum their home.
3: We do that with the collections gallery, we try to keep it to just art. If we were, we kind of thought about maybe finding a Barbie to loan, but we decided this was a good opportunity to advertise donation of those sorts of toys. So.
10: A flashy pink wanted sign hangs on a wall in the small gallery. Swift says they're lacking the most popular beauty doll. She did, however, come across another small blondie that fits the bill.
3: That's actually, surprisingly, that is not a Barbie. We don't have a Barbie in our collection. This is, Barbie came out in 1959, um, and she was an immediate hit. There was no other doll like her on the market, and she was an immediate hit, so every other toy company in the world went, we got to get in on this. That's a Mitzi doll.
10: Mitzi is what toy experts call a Barbie clone. Mitzi was made for one year in 1961, two years after Mattel released Barbara Millicent Roberts, also known as Barbie. After the immediate success of Barbie, numerous toy companies attempted to hitch their wagon to her success and release their own beauty dolls. Obviously, the rest is history.
3: No one ever beat Barbie. So was Mitzi hard to find? I don't think so. Um, It's just, we don't even have to go out and look. This was just given to us a few years ago. Someone was clearing, clearing out all their old childhood stuff, and they went, here, you can have this. I think it's a Barbie. And we looked into it, and we're like, this actually isn't. It's a to neck
10: off. <laughs> Though the museum is still searching for Barbie, plenty of other rare and unique toys fill the space. For example, a cabbage patch doll from the 80s sits in its original packaging alongside a Beanie Baby and a Tickle Me Elmo. Museum educator Ashley Sayer walks over to her favorite part of the exhibit.
3: My favorite is this Cabbage Patch doll, Uh, so to kind of go off of hers, um, and the reason this one is my favorite, I had a Cabbage Patch doll when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. and um, it was a little different than this one, but it reminds me of that, and that was like my favorite doll when I was a kid, I took it everywhere Mm -hmm. with me, so it just reminds me of my Cabbage Patch doll.
10: What Can you tell me about your Cabbage Patch doll?
3: So, mine, instead of being um, cloth like most Cabbage Patch dolls, mine was actually plastic and it came with a bathing suit and if you left it out in the sun, it tanned. Um, And her name was Dolores. So all Cabbage Patch dolls come with a name and a birth certificate, so mine was Dolores. And my mom would make clothes for her and I had a little bed for her and everything.
10: Swift says she initially had trouble deciding what to display from their toy collection and how to display the items they selected. The farther back in history one goes, the less defined toys become. What's the oldest toy doll have
3: here? It's going to be this teeny little porcelain doll here. Oh, wow. So I don't know the exact age, but like they were popular from 1850 all the way to the 1920s, so I think ours is about 1870,
10: 1880. Wow. So that's the oldest thing we have out here. The roughly two-inch porcelain doll is called Frozen Charlotte. The doll seems fragile and possibly too delicate for a child's plaything. See, if I were to look at that, I wouldn't consider it to be a toy, maybe. You know, I might consider it like a figure. Where do y'all, how do y'all draw the line on what's a toy and what's like a collectible or something like that?
3: A lot of people have already done that for us um, in terms of like people have written all these books about toys and toy collecting. So you go in there, you look up, and someone's already done an entire history of frozen Charlottes and why they were toys
10: small porcelain figures like frozen charlotte were inexpensive and extremely common so if a kid broke it while playing they could easily buy another for a penny swift says this made her question what makes a toy she found another question to be a suitable answer
3: what did kids play with that's a toy like i mentioned somewhere you know some of the earliest toys are just sticks sticks and rocks that's a toy because kids played with them i mean I don't have any because it'd be hard to prove that it was a toy that someone played with. Difficult um, to illustrate. Yes, but, you know, so it's that sort of thing. But there have been people for decades that have done all of this in-depth object research, and there are whole books written about toys and toy history.
10: Kick says this loose understanding of what makes a toy made writing for the exhibit difficult. However, extant research has been done on the psychology of play and what toys teach children.
3: It's different from kid to kid, and... It just became very hard for me to talk about so we decided that was too much for this exhibit we just kind of focused on the light history but there's a lot of fascinating information about what's a toy what what is this child learning from it they really determine themselves what they're learning from it as much as parents and elders try to you know shape how a children learns from certain toys it's really up to the kids they're going to do what they want um, despite our influence
10: Swift says, though the exhibit has been a staff favorite, the toys well played can't stay out forever. The harsh lighting and air of the gallery can potentially harm the fragile toys.
3: They'll go back in their boxes, they'll be stored at the appropriate temperature, low light levels to help them be preserved. And in the future, I'm sure they will fit into another topic as well, or it could be years down the line. We just do toys again because not everyone gets a chance to come here and visit at the time the exhibit's out.
10: The collection will remain open to the public until January 13th. But then, it's back in the box for the toys. Come Barbie, let's go party. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jack Travis. In the world. You can my
1: hair. That earworm? Courtesy of Jack Travis of Ozarks at Large. And talking about Barbie reminds me that on Monday, Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History will be back with us. Brand new segment of Prior Center Profiles. He's gone into the Prior Center archives to find archives of news reports about fads from the last 50 or 60 years. We'll discuss what is or isn't a fad, and we'll listen again to some of the things that Got our attention for just a moment, that's on Monday's Ozarks at Large. We are in the midst of move-in weekend at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore headed to campus and he brings us this postcard.
6: You can hear Harry Styles' voice from nearly a block away as campus springs back to life this weekend. The perimeter of campus is loaded with orange cones, police tape, students waving signs with dorm names on them, As parents and new students make their way to their new home for the school year. Totes are lugged, crates with casters are rolled, and mirrors are carefully handled on their way to their new home. David Thomas is from Little Rock and he's moving in his daughter Sydney, a freshman. It's his first kid he's sending away to college. It's a little nerve-wracking but uh, exciting at the same time. So we're happy for her and just thrilled for her to have this experience. David says being just three hours away is nice because it means they can come visit regularly. But he's not worried about her getting homesick and wanting to come home too often.
0: I think she'll be fine. I mean, we want her to fully experience. She went to small schools growing up, so this is going to be quite a bit different. And I think it was one of the reasons she really wanted to come here. So we're just telling her to soak it all in, enjoy it. You know, she has a couple of friends that are coming here, so I think she'll be fine and Just really get the full experience. What about you? Will you be fine? I don't think I'll be fine, but (laughs) it'll take me a while to get used to it, but I will.
6: Jackie Lynch is a coordinator for resident education at the U of A and got an early start to her day.
7: I got here at about 6.45 this morning. Uh, Yesterday I came in around 6. So today I got to sleep in a little bit.
6: She says for residents of Fayetteville, she can understand the frustrations of this population balloon on the city, but... To remember that this is a huge growing moment for these students
7: they're 18 years old going out on their own for the first time learning what they like what they don't like and just figuring life out and that's huge like for them to be here and to be able to experience Fayetteville um, which is such an awesome place to live it, it's an awesome and exciting moment for those students um, and really great for them developing their own personality and their own ways of doing things so. yes. you all
10: need any help? yeah
6: Juan Australia is a sophomore and a resident assistant in Hots Hall. He's at the table signing in new students and providing them with their dorm room keys. Juan says, "This is going to be a good year for you. This school year, I'm just excited to uh, be here at Hots, make, make some more friends. Um, we had a lot of good staff bonding over our first week, and it's just been it's just been really nice to you know get to meet more people and now get to be in like." kind of a mentorship role almost uh, for for students, um, and then also I'll be getting into some of the meat of my major this year, and so I'm just kind of looking forward to all that and getting, getting experience from all that, yeah. He's just a sophomore, but he's looking forward to being an RA. What's kind of like emphasizing or like expediting that feeling of becoming an adult is now having residents on my floor who look to me for like help with you know, whatever, figuring out about clubs and what they should or shouldn't do, and and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that that's uh, kind of the, the overall feeling. Classes start at the U of A on Monday, August twenty-first. From the parking lot of Reed Hall, I'm Matthew Moore. This is Ozarks at Large.
1: Few. Events coming up that we want to remind you about butterflies, especially the Diana fritillary, will be the focus tomorrow at the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks. The Diana fritillary is Arkansas's state butterfly, and tomorrow morning at ten, Sean Hunter, co-founder of the Diana Project, will discuss the species and why it's listed as a species of concern. She'll also compare the Diana fritillary to the more familiar monarch and discuss how you can make your yard or garden friendlier to pollinators. The event from ten to eleven tomorrow. It's $20 for BGO members, $30 for non-members. The annual Chicks with Sticks Polo Charity Match Weekend begins tomorrow evening at 5 at the Northwest Arkansas Polo Club in Gravit. It's in Gravit, though the field is pretty close to the Bentonville city limits. Not hard to find at all. Qualifying matches are tomorrow evening, then the championship and consolation games Sunday evening. The tournament is a benefit for Girl Scouts Diamonds of Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. For the Saturday qualifying games, admission is free. Tickets are required for the Sunday matches. More details can be found at the NWA Polo Club Facebook page. And then a week from Sunday, that's the 20th, one of our favorite historians, Tom Wing, will be at the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum to deliver a talk about the art of John Bell Jr. and specifically his works depicting historic structures of Van Buren. That's Sunday the 20th at the Ram beginning at 2. The talk is free. Non-members are encouraged to consider making a donation. More about that event and the current exhibits at the museum can be found at fsram.org.
9: Attention KUAF listeners Your favorite monthly Concert series, The Lunch Hour Highlighting local artists and local Restaurants is taking the stage And receiving national recognition All on NPR live sessions From the hard hitting raps about Searcy, Arkansas by Eddie Canyon To the beautiful electronic classical Music by Amos Cochran Not to mention great conversations From artists, restaurant owners And many more See some of your favorite local artists sharing a platform with artists like Leon Bridges, Saba, and more. Experience the energy, passion, and talent that's putting Arkansas on the national map. And don't miss out on this extraordinary opportunity to support local music and celebrate KUAF's newfound national recognition. All you have to do is go to NPR Live Sessions and search KUAF. That's NPR slash Live Sessions and search KUAF. Monday on Ozarks
1: at Large, international travel. You need a passport for that. And a lot of people are getting their passports in Hot Springs. And I mean a lot.
2: We literally had to triple our support staff. So in terms of order volume, inquiries to our customer hotline, and overall support, the demand has just been crazy.
1: Ozarks at Large's Daniel Caruth talks about the wait times on passports and how the office in Hot Springs is one of the busiest locations in the entire United States of America. That's on a brand-new edition of Ozarks at Large at Monday at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. Howdy, folks. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. This
2: week, we'll be featuring award-winning Texas Cowboy singer-songwriter Pip Gillette, recorded live at the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. Mark Jones finds a recording of Ozark original Freeman Thomas, and Dr. Brooks Blevins presents a profile of Oscar Gilbert, that's this week on Ozark Highlands Radio.
1: Ozark Highlands Radio tomorrow night at 6, right before Mike Shirky and the Pick and Post. And before we leave you for this week, a few notes. Former Arkansas Razorback women's basketball head coach Gary Blair will be inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame tomorrow night. He was Arkansas's women's basketball head coach from 93 to 2003. His coaching career lasted 37 years and included a national championship with Texas A&M in 2011. He's being inducted with several other basketball legends like Paul Gasol, Greg Popovich, and Gene Keady, who, by the way, was an assistant men's basketball coach in Arkansas in the mid-70s. Last night, the Northwest Arkansas Naturals defeated Wichita 10-6 at Arvest Ballpark in Springdale. During that victory, Jorge Bonificio hit his 19th home run of the season and his 42nd career home run. As a natural, that ties the franchise career mark. Wichita and Northwest Arkansas play in Springdale again tonight. First pitch set for 7.05. The duo Handmade Moments has been a guest on our show a few times in the past, including performing at one of our first ever Ozarks at Large holiday shows that took place at the Fayetteville Public Library. Their latest record, End the Wars, has been released. And made Moments. Anna Moss has also created another band, Anna Moss and the Nightshades. Here is their NPR Tiny Desk submission, "Slow Down Kamikaze," recorded live on the streets of New Orleans. Slow. and the Nightshades will make their Northwest Arkansas debut one week from tonight at Georgia's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. This is 91.3 KUAF. Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Springdale, and Sugarloaf Lake. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors this Friday included Matthew Moore, Jack Travis, Michael Tilley, Becca Martin-Brown, and thank you, Ryan Versi, our underwriting director at KUAF, for stopping by to give away tickets to the Boy George and Beck concerts. Additional reporting today provided by Jacqueline Froelich. Our general manager at KUAF is Lee Wood. I'm Kyle Kellams. Today's show put together in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. Back with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend. Ozarks at Lar. The Arkansas Natural Sky Association will host the Arkansas Dark Sky Festival
0: September 14th through the 16th on Bear Creek, south of the Buffalo National River, Arkansas's only international dark sky park. There will be a constellation tour, viewing of the Milky Way, and Arkansas born Dr. Amber Strawn will share her research using the James Webb Space Telescope. Information at darkskyarkansas.org.